Welcome back to the Local Dreamer podcast. I'm your local dreamer, Lila. So just this week, my close to 12-year-old daughter pointed something out. And if you don't know, kids are the best at pointing out all of the things you'd like to not know or ignore, like every personal flaw that you have. So this has been an ongoing thing with me, my children, and them pointing out things. And they really just tell you how it is. And this week she pointed out something that I really caught me off guard. She goes, so how come you and dad are like lazy Christians now? And I was like, "Uh, okay, what do you mean? And she's like, well, you guys like don't go to church on Sundays and stuff like that. And I reminded her that we actually never went to church on a regular basis anyways with her or her brother because we had stopped going to, long before we even had children. We stopped going to church. And I asked her, do you think that going to church makes you a Christian? And what is a Christian to you? And I started to kind of get a little too deep than she was expecting or wanted. <laughs> She's 11 years old. So our conversation didn't get much further than that, but I was left laughing that my daughter knows how to tell it to me straight. And her question really got me thinking. And I don't blame her for asking me that question because other people ask me that question too. Once they get to talking to me, I have a hard time explaining it to other adults that are Christians who do go to church and they ask, you know, oh, you're a Christian. They get to talking to me or my husband and we have to explain ourselves. It's like, oh, great. Here we go again. Let's see if this is going to go over very well. I am a believer, but I don't go to church. And you don't go to church? And it's like, no. And then you just have to try your best to explain yourself without sounding bitter, uh, arrogant, or cynical. Because we're not. We're not any of those things. We just choose not to go to church. And I think it's just a timely topic to talk about this in these times that there's just major change and we all could agree that we can't continue doing things the way we've always done them in pretty much all areas of our life. And especially in church, I know a lot of people feel that way, but many who feel this way don't know where to go from here or don't know what to do if they know that things need to change, they can't remain the same, but now what? And I don't think the now what is going to be answered in the same way because if it was answered for you by someone else we might end up continuing in our cycle that we are trying to not continue because we know something has to change so when we say now what we need to be open to whatever it might be whatever the lord leads and i'm just going to lay out where my heart has been and some things to consider when looking at the Bible and talking about church. And maybe this will just help you along your way, wherever you're at today, going to church or not going to church. And just for the record, I have to say that I am not anti-church. I just feel that if I know where I'm not going to go back to, why would I even pretend like I'm enjoying where I don't want to be? And I know what I've tasted and I've seen and I'm not going to settle for less. And that's just my conviction. So if I know the more is out there, I'm going for it. So after a few years of leaving church as usual, in 2010, we made our way to Israel where we visited houses of prayer. They did 24-hour worship and prayer. And one particular prayer night, a gentleman named Ray Hughes spoke. After hearing him speak, I could articulate the way I was feeling in my belly. This is from 2010, mind you. This is something God's been doing for a long time in my heart. 
And this is coming from a place of a worshiper who really, truly has a sincere heart to worship, but is a minority in the midst of flashy Christianity, the lights, the music, the sounds, the pastor, the people, the protocol, the announcements. It's a lot of lip service. It's a lot of do's and don'ts. And it's a lot of hype. They hype us up to go to war and then they send us to war with the wrong weapons, with weapons that are old and obsolete. So what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one goes astray, does he not leave the 99 to go to the mountains to find the one straying? What do you think? If God has a hundred worshipers and one does not worship like the rest, would God not provide what is needed so the one can too bless? What do you think? Like paper reveals ink, can you let this sink in to consider there is more than just one? There is a hunger. I'm calling for a new sound, something this vessel can move to. I am asking God, one of the 99, it's time for change. It's time to let Elohim take the music sheets and rearrange the notes, patterns, and parts. It's time for worship leaders to lay out their hearts raw and to turn out the lights and from the true source of light draw sounds lyrics, and life. So my king, I ask, will you give permission to your band of musicians here on earth to explore new dimensions? They do not ask boldly for fear the church isn't ready. For this reason, I go to hip-hop culture to feel my gift rockin' steady. Here I am, your daughter and dancer. There are dancers sitting mute because worship is in suit, sounding like it's quote-unquote supposed to. I want to worship, but I lack a voice. My act is movement, so I have no choice then to dance in my mind or dance with restraint like a painter painting with no paint. I spend my time in worship fighting inside as if bondage has been benedicted from the pulpit. Worship has led us into the sense that we got it all figured out. We lead the worship. It doesn't lead us, and so we sing. Here I am to worship. Here I am to... And the songs sound the same as they did yesterday. And lots of prayers go up because we want to worship in a new way. But the instruments are on cruise control and they continue to play. Holy Spirit graces us with a touch and so we go on our way. This is not bitter or cynical. This is reality and critical. And I ask with sincerity and literal. Here from Zion, will you send down new sounds? For it is a new day and it's time to worship in a new way. Not to replace, but embrace. Unite the division within the body of Christ. It's not about being wrong or right. It's about being equipped to fight in a war that has been all along evolving, while the church is stuck circular, revolving. The way things are is a result of what's been taught, once again created formulas when we ought to have not. It starts from the top and makes its way down. And sadly, today you can Google, quote unquote, Christian worship and a genre be found. We need to be armed with fresh sounds that mobilize us, set us on the move. It's time to trade in what we've been used to. Those weapons were for the time which they were given. We've carried them too long and too far have we driven. Don't ask me to go to war with a dull sword or old shields or shoes with holes or maps with mold. I want new weapons with which I can war to fight with strength and fight with force. Enough ministry time to be set free. We need freedom from the body to be who we were made to be. Pray for a dancer to be set free. But if there's no beat, no prayer is going to move my feet. 
You tell me to dance, but never change the tempo. You see a gift in me, and you tell me just let go. You've given me water, and I run on petrol. If it's about pleasing the masses, know there will always be those with empty glasses. No one can deny we've entered into accelerated times. Prophecy, healing, knowledge released. Men receiving mandates, pushing issues which make your hand shake. But what about the issue that makes my heart ache? Aches to worship, aches to war, aches to do what it was created for. This is uneasy to speak, so foreign to see. Someone claimed to know true identity. We've been so good at displaying what we call humility. And this is no rebuke, but it's the truth. And it's coming from desire, desire to worship without restraint, to paint pictures with real paint. Because I don't want to go to war with a weapon that I wish to trade. I want to worship the way I was intended, the way I was made. So musicians, you need to listen. Like a prophet needs vision, we can't move without sound. I'm not asking you to replace, but to tap into a new taste, which invites dancers to partake and not waste their peace in this puzzle of bringing the kingdom to earth that initiates new birth in the hearts and minds where dancers dance dead people to life. I no longer want to sit in a service and wonder why. It's time to join forces of those called to worship and war. This is what the tribe of dancers is waiting for. Musicians to explore the sound splashing up like waves on the shore. We can't move until you will worship with no encore. Until you give up what you can't afford. Don't ignore a heart that is bored. Let's be progressive. Let us together signal the message. Let us add to the Lord's vestige for which he will return. And if it causes discomfort or offense on all of us, will this rest? This won't be a one-man show. This will be collective, like domino. That was pretty heavy, pretty exaggerated, maybe you might even think. But that is how I feel deep down inside when I know that I was saved by grace, by the blood of Jesus, by the blood of God Almighty taking on the form of man, dying and then being resurrected, conquering death and saving me from eternal death, saving me from all of me and giving me hope in this dark world and this perverted world. The light of Christ has come to give me light that I might see and not be groping around in black darkness, looking for my way through this life. I know that Jesus didn't die on the cross to have me sit down and be so frustrated because my heart's telling me I know there's more and the system that I'm involving myself in, in the name of being a Christian, is literally giving me water when my engine runs on gasoline. Like, just think about that. Like, come, come fill up your cars, everybody. Come get encouraged. Come get strengthened. Come get some gas to make that car go far. And they're giving out water. That's what it feels like to me. It feels like I have this creative energy that just wants to burst. And the church tries to say, yeah, we're creative people. We'll make space for you to create. But then they ask you to paint with no paint. Because if they gave you real paint it might mess up their plan. This is how I just feel. This is what I see. 
And I know there's many great churches out there because there's many good and great people out there. The thing is, though, is that I just want to take a step back and out and look. There are tons of clubs. There are tons of good organizations doing good work for humanity. And I hope that they continue. But my point is, and my heart's frustration, my heart's cry, and this just agonizing conflict within me is that we are able to do that. People are good. We can have great systems and great organizations that serve and help other people in our communities. There are tons of organizations that do that. But to say that that is why Jesus came and died on the cross for us to create an organization and for everyone to have to be participating in this organization because you're a Christian, this is how you display your Christianity is by attending this church, these services, this building, participating in this club, doing service as this group or team. I I just can't buy into it. And that's where my frustration lies is that people do have a revelation of Jesus being the Christ, the Messiah. They receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And the first thing that you think you should do when you have this crazy revelation, which is radical to to come into that knowledge. It's just not everyone just doesn't believe that. People believe all kinds of stuff. But when you have that personal revelation, because you're just coming into this new life, basically, you go, what do I do? And we've all just been able to just turn and step into a church. And I know that there's a lot of great churches that receive people in and grow them up well, and they teach them well, and there's lots of good. Don't get me wrong here. I'm just saying in a broad picture, in general, church today has morphed a million times over and has gotten further from its original intent. The structure of church is man's plan. It's not hashtag God's plan. (laughs) And man's plan's not going to change the world. Man's plan will not solve anything that is bigger than man himself. And I just want to pull back and just go over a few scriptural things because we're talking about church right now. So let's just see what the Bible has to say about it. And from there, we can just reassess our own situation, where we're attending, what we're looking for, and how our heart can grow the most. And that's what I think everyone should do at every point in time. Just because you start at a church doesn't mean you have to die in that church. I started in a church that is so far from where I've where I am now, and I see how God used that. And where I was, he used that to to meet me at my place in time back then. For me to stay there would be like me never leaving preschool without any disrespect to that church. It was just, I was a baby. They had a nursery. And then I grew up and moved on to another church. And I feel that is what most people should be doing is going from glory to glory, outgrowing the the old wineskins, getting into new wineskins, going out, turning a leaf over, turning the page, continually moving forward in this journey. And to think that this is it, I feel is a very dangerous and arrogant place for any of us to stand in, pretty much in any part of our life, and especially with God, because in all reality, 
we know but a sliver. We know a little dot and we're getting to know more. We are growing. But to think that this is it, this is what I got saved into, so this is what I'm going to stay at and where I'm going to stay at is not a good mindset for growth or for any kind of transformation. Our whole point is be ye transformed into the image of Christ. In order to transform, we have to change. And I'm not saying just forsake and hate the church you had because they are, you knew it all along. They had it wrong and you had to stick it out because you said you were a Christian. It's not about being bitter or cynical. Like I said earlier, it's not about being right or wrong. It's about being willing to go the distance, willing to go into the unknown and willing to do it together. That's the whole point, I think. If we all just say, we made it this far, what's ahead? I don't know. Let's just go together. We're all sincerely loving the Lord with all our hearts, mind, and will and strength. It's like, I don't think we could lose doing that if that's what our point is. If our point is loving the Lord with every part of us, I don't think he's going to let us down. Even if we're walking around for a little bit, not really knowing, is this the right way? He's going to meet us and he's going to show us. So just for some perspective, let's look at the book of Acts, where after Pentecost, everyone was so fired up. They were all in awe of the signs and wonders they experienced and were living in. It's not surprising that they wanted to be with other people who had the same experience, who knew what they were talking about, who lived through what they just lived through. It was mind-blowing. I can't even imagine what they were thinking, but whatever they went through was so incredible and so radical and so rich that everything they physically owned, property and belongings, was pretty much looked at as not even theirs. It was not even of worth to them to hold on to themselves. What they experienced was so rich that they were just like, my house, just take it. You need this? Have it. What I just went through was so radical and what I'm living in now is so beyond the things I own. And it was like just wanting to be with people like that is what I imagine why they congregated. They were all rocked to the point where they're like, let's just hang out and anyone who wants to come, come and What's mine is yours. What's yours is mine because we can see clearly that there's so much more than what we thought the world was. There's so much more to this life and this stuff. It, it wasn't that they were touched and decided, oh, now we don't need anything. Or to be part of this group now, go sell everything and we're going to live communally because we're all going to be equal. I don't even think it was that. I, I, my opinion is that they were so rocked, so lit up that they were like, oh, just take it. This is what just happened to me has no monetary value. The stuff that I have that's the most valuable has no, nothing in comparison to what God just did, what I'm seeing. The miracles, the signs, the wonders were so rich and so radical that it just dimmed everything in this world. And that to me is where I feel they came together, just wanting to be with people who had the same heart, had the same experience, 
who knew what they were talking about, who saw the same things, and they were just like, this is where it's at. Let's just eat together. Let's just be together. And all my stuff, I like, I don't even care about it. Like, we have what matters most, and that is the presence of the living God among us. And let's just do whatever it takes to hold on to this. We also read that Jesus tells Simon Peter that on you, Peter, will I build my church. And that word church is the Greek word ekklesia. And this definition is a gathering of citizens called out into a public place or an assembly. Those who anywhere in a city or village constitute such a company and are united into one body. So it's just called out ones, individuals called out from where they are into a space where they can collectively be as one body. The called out ones, that's the ecclesia, those that are called out called out of the way of the world, called out of the common way of thinking, called out of what your culture is, called out, come out, come out wherever you are, (laughs) the called out ones. We're talking about individual bodies making up one body of people. That is what Jesus was telling Peter he was going to build his church upon, his church, the ecclesia. He was going to build this gathering of his body upon this rock. And Ephesians 2.20 tells us that we are being built together. We are not together building a building. We are being built together. We are the pieces that are built together to create this habitation for the Lord. It is the believers, their actual bodies, which are being built together by way of the Holy Spirit. We are not physically building a building with others, like a church building. No, we are the building collectively together, hosting the Holy Spirit. And that is what God is doing. He's building believers together. He's not creating denominations. If anything, denominations have created separation. And the Bible is telling us we are being built together. We're not being separated. And denominations probably came on the scene to accommodate man's plan. One man wasn't agreeing with another man. And so they split, calling it a denomination. And that to me right there is a red flag that we have strayed from the original plan of being built together. We made a denomination and we separated. You divide and conquer. That's how you get people. And I think the enemy snuck in the back door on that one. Last reference as we wrap this up is Hebrews 10. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as ye see the day approaching. I do prefer to read the King James Version when I'm studying because it's easier to reference the Greek or Hebrew words from the Bible. So that's why I read that um, ye version. This one's good because when you look up the word forsake, translates to abandon and desert or totally abandon or utterly forsake as if it was something that you kind of did in the past. And it's telling us do not just utterly forsake meeting together because we have to remember Hebrews, the whole Bible, this was for the Jewish people. This was for the Hebrews, for the Israelites, for the people of God. And we have been grafted in. 
So first and foremost, this was for them, and this is in the book of Hebrews. They have all attended synagogue or the temple or doing their religious practice from day one. They know the drill. And so when they had their revelation of Jesus as the Messiah, as the one that they've been waiting for for thousands of years, when they had that revelation, they could have just been, ah, the Savior has come We are good. Let's just enjoy this new life. We can embrace our gift. They were so fulfilled just knowing that Jesus was indeed the Messiah who they've been waiting for. And there must have been some who were utterly forsaking getting together at all because it says, don't forsake getting together just like some have. There are some that haven't, that just gave up meeting together probably because they just felt like I'm good. I'm solid. I don't need to do any more of anything because the Messiah came. Game over. We win. And they're saying in it, don't utterly forsake the gathering together. Just coming together. It doesn't say don't forsake gathering together. So build a church, start a nonprofit organization. It's not even talking about that. It's reminding them, yes, the Messiah has come, but don't neglect getting together like we always have. We've always done this. And it it continues on. But get together so that you can also call others to your side. This is where people can be taught. This is where people can encourage one another. This is where people can come together and celebrate the good things that God has done and then share their struggles. This is where we as fellow believers come around each other and can comfort each other. And I feel this word is just as relevant to us today as it was to them back then. Because just because we know what we know at this point in time, maybe you've experienced the highest of highs, seen the most radical things, know the most radical mysteries. Maybe you've gone to the deepest places. Even then, knowing what you know, experienced what you experience, do not utterly forsake meeting with other people. That goes for me too. That goes for all of us that we do. We need to still value each other and value people and be there to make space to call other people to our sides. Because if the church structure isn't there, then there needs to be room for new people to come in and us just gathering in small cell groups, small home groups, those kind of things. There's always room for one more in those things and there's always room for another home group to start up or another small group to pop up anywhere at any time. Just like they went into the ark, two by two, we might just be meeting two by two. And Jesus said he made a point to go out of his way to put it in the Bible that that's all you need. And there I am. Be confident. I'll be with you. Okay, all of this is just my opinion. This is not anything... Thus saith the Lord, and this is definitely to be taken with a grain of salt. So please just take this as food for thought. Um, One thing I do want to say is just be wary when transitioning or if you find yourself uh, looking towards a transition, just don't find yourself in isolation. That is not where you want to be. We just read scripture about how not to neglect um, meeting together, but isolation is not a healthy place to be spiritually or physically. So don't get into that uh, space. And also, 
one last thing. Um, Jesus says that they will know that we are Christians by our love. That to me is enough for me to work on for the rest of my life. That is crazy. They're going to know that I am a follower of Christ because of the way I love. Wow. Like help me transform Lord Jesus, because if that is true, then they are not going to know that I am a follower of Christ because of my denomination or the missions trips I went on or the amount of tithe I gave or the amount of time I spent going to church, involved in church, or having anything to do with the structure and the facility and the activities of a church. Jesus says they will know that you are Christians by your love. That's going to be the line that separates the identification of what a believer is a follower of Christ is versus anything other. Heidi Baker has a book called Compelled by Love, and the title alone convicted me. I cannot even imagine like what that is like, but I want it. I am a good doer. I can do lots, but to be compelled and to do because of true, sincere love, what? That's just crazy. But that is what it all boils down to. Whatever it is, even all of the gifts within the church, Bible tells us all of that is great, but if it's done without love, it's worthless. Even after all I just shared and my view and the scripture and getting water when I run on gasoline and having to paint with no paint, even if I got the paint and I started painting, but I have not love, it's worthless And it means nothing about being a follower of Christ. If I get large amounts of gasoline and I drive my car far, but I have not love, I might as well have not even started the car. You get where I'm going with this? And even if I say I have a sincere heart to worship the Lord, but if I have not love, if I'm not pursuing love in my own life, it is worthless. That's pretty harsh and it's pretty difficult to admit because I'm talking to myself. It is all about love. And that might just sound too simple that it's all about love. But without trying to be cliche, that's what Jesus said. That's what's going to matter is we will identify and be identified by our love. And my final comment is James 1 verse 27, where it says, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So if you want to do any religious duty at all, the one that is acceptable to the Father, if you're going to be religious, be religious in these things visit the orphans and take care of the widows, visit them in their affliction, and keep yourself unspotted from the world. It's tough not to catch myself wondering how many churches are actually practicing the only acceptable religious activity laid out in the Bible. Just another food for thought. Thank you so much for listening. appreciate your time.